Um, <clears throat> yesterday, um, I laid out kind of the, the vision of 10 days. Um, this phrase, Babylon refuses to mourn, but my people will mourn before I return. Um, this vision of uh, uh, this time period that God wanted people to consecrate from the Day of Trumpets to the Day of Atonement, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, that this vision was to be kind of a, a national and international vision. And the vision I shared of the city that had stopped everything in order to seek God, that was inundated in the glory of God. And we talked about how this is connected to John 17 um, and Jesus' prayer, the fulfillment of that prayer. Let them be one as we are one. And you can see how um, that ties into Gaylord's message from this morning, right? Because yes. <laughs> ultimately, um, being one as the Father and Son are one means loving as the Father and Son love, right? That's what unity is. It's, it's love. Um, and uh, through the Holy Spirit. It has to be with the help of the Holy Spirit. So, I want to just continue um, sharing a little bit more about 10 days. 10 days is really, I believe, it's a tool. Um, and it's something that God wants to use to uh, bring these different things into the church. Uh, some of the things we're going to talk about. So 10 days is a tool, and we'll be talking about some of the things that God wants to bring into the church through 10 days, um, you know, through the different speakers. Um, but it's, it's a tool. It's a, it's a way that God wants to, it's a tool God wants to use in order to prepare the bride. Um, if you turn, if you open up your folder that you got, um, there's this document that says, what is 10 days? And then if you open a couple pages, it says, why do 10 days? And uh, yesterday I kind of talked through the what aspect, um, the different unique things about 10 days. Uh, but a what really doesn't do you much good unless you have a why. Um, let's be real. When you, <laughs> when you come up to, to someone and you say, hey, I want to take 10 solid days of your life. All right, what do you want to do? Well, I don't want you to do anything. I just stop doing everything. Okay. And we're going to pray. All right. That's it? That's it. Um, it. It can be a hard sell. Um, I'll just be honest. But, you know, it's even better when I'm like, I want you to mourn for 10 days. They're like, what? 10 days of mourning? That doesn't sound like a good time. Like, I remember at one point I was having this conversation with a, you know, pastor friend of mine and, uh, I said, yeah, it's 10 days of mourning and fasting and repentance. And, you know, I talked about the unity thing, and he was like, well, I love the unity thing. That's great. But can we get rid of the mourning? <laughs> the mourning part? I was like, I was thinking to myself, like, what do you think? I can just, like, change this myself? Like, I got to be. And I was like, Lord, why have you given me this ugly baby that nobody, <laughs> nobody loves? <laughs> I'm hoping it's like a swan, you know, it's going to grow up. And um, So I want to talk about why do 10 days. What's the, what's the reason? And I think that as we're calling other people to do it, like our hearts have to kind of be engaged. Um, and so number one, this is always, people are like, why are you doing this? I'm like, it's obedience. And so it comes down to this being God's idea. This is something that God wants from the church. It's a response he's looking for. And so we should do it out of obedience. Um, 
because he said so is a good reason. You know, as a as a kid, you you know, your parents say, "Do it because I like, why 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 should I do it because I said so." And as a kid, you're like, "That's not a good reason." But then, as a parent, you realize it's actually a great reason. <laughs> because as a parent, you don't have time to explain every one of your decisions to your children. And because I said so is a good reason. We're leaving. Why? Because I said so. that's really the only reason that we're leaving at that time is because I've decided and we're doing it. Um, so I think that obedience is, first of all, is a great reason, and, and we need to say yes. I know personally, that's especially. Um, strong on me since you know I have the vision but I think we also need to be able to receive the word of God from one another you know and if we're like if we discern hey this is this is God kind of like uh, Gaylord said does it matter you know if we discern hey we think this is God then we should respond and be obedient to that and if we don't that's a problem right so obedience I think that's a good reason to do 10 days um, if some people aren't big on the whole prophecy thing or people hearing from God at the time I didn't really know what a prophecy was but I knew I could hear from God sometimes um, and then later I figured out oh that is prophecy oh <laughs> easy but I, I think like if you can think of this deception that the devil would come up with would he really encourage people to stop you know doing you know all their distractions to come away to seek God together, to love one another, to pray, to fast, to seek His face, to humble themselves? Is that the deception the devil would come up with? I don't think so. So I, I don't think, even if uh, even if I'm wrong about this whole thing, I don't think it's going to hurt us too much <laughs> to do this. Amen? Alright, so why else should we do this? We should do it because of love. And um, it's the Father's heart of love. And I want to just share this story. So in 2005, I had gotten this vision from God. And um, I had gone all over the country sharing this vision. I was convinced God was going to bring revival to America in 2005. And that I was the one to bring it. You know? I was, I was convinced. And I brought it, man. And I, I had, like, this just been stirred that, like, like, I was going to give everything I had. You know, like Gilder said, if you give everything you have. I was like, I'm going to give everything I have. And I really did. And um, was pursuing this vision. And, you know, it was leading up to, I mentioned last time, the, the global day of prayer and the 10 days leading up to it. And, you know, really gave everything. And at the end of it, I'll be honest, I hated the church. Because they hadn't responded. And I was angry with God. I told God, basically, I'm not going to work for you anymore. Not because I didn't like Him. I was just like, you're just, it's too much. You know, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. And um, <laughs> so I had all these relationships around me falling apart. I don't know why that was happening, just from what was going on in my life, but. They were falling apart. I started just work. I'm like, I'm just going to work. Like, I've given all my money to this crazy adventure I've been on. Like, at least I'm going to make some money. You know? Like, at least I'm not going to be broke. So I'm working 70 hours a week. I'm tortured in my mind. I'm, I'm really, like, it was, I almost lost my faith. It was really bad. And um, 
I couldn't think of like anything good God had done. But I was just like, you know what? I don't really like me right now. So I'm not going to make any major decisions right now because whoever I am, I liked me better four or five months ago. And whatever he was doing, maybe I should just stick with that. At least not throw it out completely. And um, so I was in a bad place. And it actually got pretty severe. Um, It got so bad, I was in such a dark place that I decided, well, nothing else to lose. I might as well go to seminary. (laughs) I mean, things get bad sometimes. So I decided a change of scene would be good. We moved all the way to Massachusetts. I literally moved here thinking God was like sending me to spiritual Siberia. I'm like, I've been a bad boy. And this is where the bad Christians get sent. (laughs) So I got sent to New England. And I got here and God started to, to begin to do a work in my heart. And it was amazing. It was a work of love. And it started... I, I had gone to this guy who did like um, Holy Spirit counseling, basically, where they like listen to God and pray over you. And I was, you know, I was a little skeptical of this. I was thinking, this is that, some of that New Age stuff, you know. That's what I'm thinking in my head. And uh, this guy is, you know, real quiet. He listens and he thinks a long time before he talks. And so I share my story with him, and he says, "Well." It's clear that you know Jesus, and he says, you know, you know Jesus is your boss, you know him as your general, you know, you're willing to give everything for him, that's all good. But he said, but do you know Jesus as a gazelle? And I, and I think to myself, here it is, here's that new age junk I was afraid of. <laughs> so I'm like, a gazelle? And he says, yeah, you're familiar with the Song of Songs. And I said, oh, no, this guy knows his Bible better than me. Oh. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm judging him in my heart, and then he just brings it down like, oh, you don't know your Bible. Very gently. And um, so, <laughs> so I'm like, huh, I wonder if I need to know Jesus in this way. And that led me into this season of just um, pouring over the Song of Songs. And just sitting in that, resting in that revelation of the love of God. And um, God was restoring my soul. It was awesome. And I began to hear things around New England. I was like, wow, God likes me. He loves me. And he didn't bring me to New England because he was mad at me. He brought me here because there's a calling for revival on this region. And there's a calling for revival on my life. And so that was amazing. And so now it's we're coming up to... So God's begun to do this incredible restoration. Now I'm, I like, feel better than ever. I mean, I'm a little little worse for wear, but like the things I got in return were way better. And we're just coming up on doing the next 10 days. And this time, instead of trying to get the whole nation to do 10 days, I had gotten some counsel from this guy. You might want to just do it yourself first with a small group, which was good advice. It was good advice. And so we're coming up and we're going to do it with just a few of us at my local church. And I'm terrified. And I'm telling God, I'm like, God, last time I did this, it took me nine months to recover from this experience of doing ten days. By the way, this is, incidentally, this is just for free, incidentally. You can't mess this up worse than I've messed it up. I promise you. <laughs> 
if you do, let me know, and we'll like we'll make it. We'll do a series. I don't know. We'll do something. Well, <laughs> um, and and so I'm saying to the Lord, last time, you know, it took me nine months, and He says to me this phrase. He says, "Last time you did it because you wanted something," and He says, "This time do it because you love me." And I saw this gazelle in my vision. It's back. It's gazelle haunting me. But in the writings of Jonathan Edwards, in the writings of Jonathan Edwards, he interprets Song of Songs, chapter 2, speaks about the gazelle coming over the mountains. He says the gazelle is his revival coming. And it represents that when we seek the Lord and we draw near in this way, that revival will soon come. Zell's also Jesus, right? And so I saw that if I would pursue him in this way, that revival would come soon. If I would do it in this way, not wanting to get revival in America, but pursuing the way in the way of love, that revival would come quickly. So we should do ten days because we love him. And I'm serious. I've seen. I have seen or heard about hundreds of people that have had similar experiences to what I had. People who have gotten burned out pursuing revival. And I really feel it because it was me. But this is so key because this can be really dangerous because people's lives can get really messed up if we do this the wrong way. Okay, And so it's so important... That when we're pursuing this, and you know, then it gets mixed in with there's prophetic things, and people think if we do this, revival's going to come, and then they're disappointed afterwards, right? And then they might even walk away from their faith. Okay, we when we when we talk about ten days, we have to describe it in the right way and do it for the right reasons, because it, there can be real harm and real danger if we don't. Now we all want to see revival and awakening. That is not a question. It's just a matter of how we pursue it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. My, so my zeal hasn't diminished to see revival in America. My faith is stronger than ever. But the way I'm pursuing it is different. Okay? Okay, we should do 10 days because God makes crazy promises in the Bible. All right? It's interesting to me how um, desire is such an important part of prayer. Jesus says, uh, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you desire and it will be given to you. He doesn't say ask whatever I want. He doesn't say ask whatever you think. He says ask whatever you desire, whatever you want is another translation. And so this desire dimension is huge in the place of prayer. We have to remain in Him. His words have to remain in us. But then it's our desire that releases an answer from, from heaven. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to share a story. This is a funny story. So I, wanted, I, I needed a car. I wanted a car. And uh, my van died right after we did 10 days here last year, the Jesus tent. I hauled the last load home with the van. It was this old van that was that I bought very cheaply and had a history. God wouldn't let me get rid of it. And at the, after hauling the stuff in, I said, well, Lord, this van has now served its purpose. And a few weeks later, it just completely died. So 
that was sad, but it was kind of like it was done. And um, <clears throat> so my wife and I are sharing a car, and we're sharing it for months and months, and it's okay, it's all right. And um, but you know, I'd definitely rather have my own car. And uh, but I have in my mind that I want to get this truck. And uh, the reason being, I live on a 150 acres, and I think the truck could be useful for, you know, hauling hauling wood and just doing different chores around the property. So I'm like, God, give me a truck. Give me a truck. Every time I see the kind of truck I want, I'm like, Lord, give me a truck. Can I have a truck? No trucks are coming my way. And uh, I'm like, huh. Well, you know, but be persistent in prayer, right? Wait. So I really, my heart's really set on this truck. So my dad comes to town. We, we go out car shopping. And we go out, not to buy them, but just to look, you know. And, and we look at a truck, and then we look at a, a Toyota Prius. It's a red Toyota Prius. And I'm like, you know, you know, I'm talking to my dad, and, and I'm thinking about the truck and the cost and every all the components, and I'm realizing, like, you know what? I, I could rent a truck for a day and do my yard work for $100, and I'd save that money with all the driving I do all over the place. Like, I'd save that money in a week by just having the Prius. So I, my, my heart shifts, and I'm like, you know what, I'd rather have, maybe I'd rather have a car. Maybe that's, you know, more what I need. But I'm getting kind of desperate, too. And I'm like, Lord, I've, I'm going to Uganda. I've really got to get this new car before, um, you know, I go to Uganda um, so that we can be set up to, you know, so life can work because different things are coming up. We're really going to need two cars. And, um, but I have no prospects. <laughs> I'm looking at this car. It was real, you know, this, this, this red Prius was for sale. was new. It was like 15000 bucks. It was a great price. And I'm thinking, you know what? No, but I really want to stay debt-free. So uh, right before, it, it's the same, the same time period, and I'm just really, my heart is really crying out to God, like, with desire. I need this car. My dad calls me, and he says, hey, uh, your aunt is selling a car. It's a Prius for $2,000. It's a red Prius. It's a little older than the one we looked at, but it's like the same color, <laughs> same you know car, and I'm like, sold, done. And it's in my budget. I only had $3,000. So, uh, so I was like, done. Okay, there it is. But it was interesting to me that the, the, the answer didn't come until my desire shifted. There was a shift in desire, and then after that, it was like, right away, the answer came. And so God has made these promises in Scripture, and He says, I want you to remain in me, and I want my words, i.e. my promises, right, to remain in you, and then ask whatever you desire. Does that make sense? So there's this interaction with Him and us, His words, interacting with our, our spirit, affecting our desire, and then we ask whatever we want. But it's what we want. <laughs> it's what we want. We want it. But it's like because it's become personal. And um, God has made some incredible promises in Scripture, but they're not going to be fulfilled apart from our desire aligning with with His Word, when His words remain in us, and then we ask what He, what we desire. Does that, does that make sense? Because God always works in human history in partnership with human beings. And so, um, I've listed four major promises that are currently unfulfilled. These are things during the ten days. This is a chance to remain in Him, to let His words remain in us, 
And then that we can pray out of a place of desire and have our prayers answered. Have you ever prayed something and you just don't, like, you don't want it, you don't believe it? I've stopped doing that. Sometimes we pray out of, like, duty. We should want this. I don't pray out of should want anymore because I realize it's not worth anything. (laughs) That might be an invitation. If if I really should want it, that's an invitation to actually want it before I ask for it. There's no point. It's like we're saying the words, but we're just, you know, it's like a vain repetition almost. It can be good just to, to learn, you know, like we're learning. It's all good. But I think there's something where unless we actually desire it, we're not going to see the answer. So the four promises I listed here are the gospel being preached to every nation. Um, supernatural unity in the church, John 17. Global outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Joel 2.28. And salvation among the Jewish people, the salvation of Israel, Romans 11. I'm not going to touch on all those right now because different ones of us are going to touch on it. But those are the big picture things. This is why we want to do 10 days, because God is wanting to do things that are, that are huge, but it needs to be in partnership in us. And so we've got to change and have our desires transformed and the desires of the whole church so that we can fulfill these, so that we can rightly ask Him for these things and then actually be, be, be feet to our prayers as well. Uh, 10 days is about city transformation. It's a transformational strategy. Second um, Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I'll heal their land. And we've heard so many stories from uh, non-Western nations about transformation and how God has not only changed the people, but literally changed the earth, changed the uh, the animals. <laughs> I've heard stories of, of cities or villages going through this process and coral reefs that had died instantaneously come back to life. I mean, things, things that are just incredible in the land. And 10 days is a strategy to bring that to cities, to communities. Not just for the people, but holistically, right? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm sure in heaven, it's holistic, right? Everything is affected, not just uh, not just the people, but it's 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 everything. And so that's what God wants to see happen, also. So ten days is a strategy for transformation. These next three are going to kind of build in a climax. It's personal. Um, Jesus is coming back. He he tells a parable. There's five. There's ten virgins. Five are wise and five are foolish. But the virgins are identical in every way. They're they're all virgins. Um, they're all at the feast. <laughs> They've all got lamps. The lamps are burning. They all fall asleep, right? The only difference is five have these reserved stores of oil and five do not. And it's interesting in the story, it's not transferable. Like, you know, if it was me in the story, you know, and, and some other virgin said to me, hey, give me some oil, I'd be like, yeah, let's split what I got, you know. Totally. We'll we'll make the best of it. I mean, you know, like if we run out in the wedding, no big deal. Like, let's just split it. We'll, we'll do the best we can. Or, you know, like we'll, we'll take turns. Like we'll burn our five for a bit, burn yours. But that's not the way it is in the parable. Five are excluded because of a lack of oil. So this, this is kind of a story that puts the fear of God in you, right? Because you, you think these poor five virgins, they're doing so much right. 
where they just don't have this reserve oil. And so I think 10 days is a time to get oil for you personally. I think it's through times of consecration like this that we develop that oil of intimacy, that, that reserve um, that can bring us through these, these, these kind of key moments of, of testing um, that are coming. Um, and so I think that's just, just a major thing. Personally, like we need to recognize that we need this. We need to soberly assess who we are and what we have. And this is a moment to, 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 to gain wealth in the Spirit, to gain oil by drawing near to the Lord. Um, so yeah, moving from a personal level to a corporate level, 10 days is about making the bride beautiful, preparing the bride for the wedding. If you remember, um, Babylon refuses to mourn, but my people will mourn before I return. So 10 days, everything in 10 days is couched in the terms of leading up to the return of Jesus, preparing for the return of Jesus, just as everything in the New Testament is couched in those terms, right? It's all heading towards this wedding, and the bride has a way to go. I mean, she has a way to go. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, but holy and without blemish. Um, I would say most of our church life, if we're honest, is lived with the assumption that this will never happen. (laughs) Or that it's going to happen like out of the blue, apart from us, right? Like God's just going to do it. Either... Either we just kind of think, well, everything will just continue on. It's not going to happen. I mean, do you know these people, right? Or we think, well, yeah, God's going to do it, but we don't know how. It'll kind of be out of the, like a bolt out of the sky. And I think what we really need to do is we need to start being the church differently. Amen. Okay? Because it's going to happen through us. Yeah. So it's a strategy to move us from where we are into this new reality where we're washed in the word, sanctified and cleansed. It's only one strategy. There's a lot of things God is doing to bring the church into this this reality. But this is one. Okay? Um, And then finally, Jesus is coming. Amen? So, This is a strategy of prayer, fasting, and longing focused on the return of Jesus. The last prayer in the Bible is a prayer that says, Come, Lord Jesus. The Lord's Prayer, when we pray it, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when will the fullness of that prayer be? I mean, I know we want to see it now, but the fullness is not going to come of the kingdom. That's a very messianic term until Jesus returns and is ruling and reigning. That's when the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, right? He's going to come to rule and reign as the Messiah. And part of our role in this is to develop desire for that and for him. Does that make, does that make sense? What we talked about earlier, desire. Um, so we need to abide in him, let his words abide in us, so that we begin to desire that coming. So that begins to dominate our lives and, and become a compelling desire. And I think it's very much like the car. 
<laughs> you know, we're like, Lord, it's been a long time. We've been waiting. We do want you to come. But he's saying, you know, he wants to kind of refine and perfect that desire in us. And then another aspect that I sh- with the car was I was getting desperate. I was like, I've got to have this. And he wants to bring about that desperation in us as well through a variety of external pressures and circumstances where we're saying, we've got to have Jesus. Nothing else is going to do. But it's going to be in partnership with us. Does that make sense? In partnership with his people that he's going to return. Just like when he came the first time, it was in partnership. It was, um, it was according to God's sovereign plan, but there was a dimension of partnership with the nation of Israel through their history. And then think about those intercessors in the temple, Anna, Simeon, who God had promised that they would see the Messiah. So, so we're part of the story. We get to be involved. So 10 days is about the return of Jesus. We're going to cancel the rest of this because we've already gone over time. Uh, but I'm just wanting, these are the, these are the reasons why we want to do 10 days. We need to have a sense of where we're going. You know, if we have a sense that where we are now is okay, or we have a sense that we're only going a little ways, like, you know, you prepare differently for a trip across the country to how you prepare for going down to the corner store. (laughs) I think for most of the church, we're like, oh yeah, let's, well yeah, we're going somewhere. Where are you going? To the corner store. Right, or maybe, you know, it's like city people, uh, or, you know, country people. Like, where are you going? Oh, we're going to the big city. We're going to Boston. We're, we're driving to Boston two hours. And God's like, no, I've got a lot longer of a journey for you. And so, t- because of that, there's this sense of we need to consecrate ourselves. We need to set ourselves apart. We need to seek the Lord. We need to grow and mature in ways that right now we don't even understand or think possible. We need to get closer to Him and seek Him as generations on earth have never sought Him before. Right? Amen? Alright, so Father, we just pray, Lord, fill our hearts with vision for where You're taking the church, Lord. Lord, expand our vision for where You want to go. Lord, and give us motivation, Lord, to take that journey with You, Father. To cast off everything that hinders Lord, to break free of sin that entangles us and to run with perseverance because we've got a ways to run yet. And Lord, we just pray, uh, as you give us that vision, Lord, help us, as Gaylord uh, shared earlier, Lord, help us to do it together in love for one another. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.